Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Uh, we are in 1 Peter chapter 2, continuing our sermon series through 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 11. Uh, we are uh, getting to a very practical part of the book, a very practical uh, uh, exhortation on how to live. Uh, Peter's calling his original readers and calling us to live in very practical ways in certain spheres of society, with certain aspects of society. And, and he's, he's drilling down to some, some very, very uh, clear ways of living, even, even if we don't necessarily like it. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's what we covered last week, to live good lives in the culture, so that, Lord willing, people will hear the gospel through our deeds and through our words, and He'd be glorified. Verse 13 continues that thought, but it, it drills farther down into a certain specific topic that we are going to address today. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. May God bless the reading of His Word. So we're talking today about how we as Christians, while how we as people of the citizen, uh, citizenry of heaven, how do we live with human government? How do we relate to the human government around us? How do we live sometimes with governments we don't agree with? Or how do we live with governments that pass laws that we don't agree with? We live from basically from our birth to our death in the presence of government. Okay? It's something inescapable, but something that we all deal with, all live with, all participate in, whether we like it or not. Okay? The clear teaching here from God's Word is uh, we're to be subject to human institutions. And, and what's, that, what's that mean? Uh, God has given different spheres of authority in our world. He's given us a home. He's given us a church. He's given government. He's delegated authority to certain spheres that we're to honor. He's delegated authority to governments that we are to honor. Now, maybe your translation says, submit yourself to the governing authorities. Uh, maybe it says, like the ESV here, subject yourself to the governing authorities. What does it mean? Well, you, you, can't, you can't get too far from, from the truth here. You can't uh, write it off. You can't push it away too far. We are to obey the government. We are to obey the government that God has given us. Now, through the centuries, through the millennia, there's been all different kinds of governments that have been delegated by God to oversee the affairs of humanity. Uh, we, just like Peter's uh, readers, are to submit ourselves, subject ourselves to the government. 
Now, does that strike terror in you? <laughs> does, that, does that bring fear to your mind? Or, or does that frustrate you this morning? I know some people feel that way, and I, it's understandable given, given the, the trajectory of, of some of the things happening in our culture. But we have to listen to God's word here. He tells us to obey the government. Now, uh, our government is, a, is a, a constitutional republic, and we can talk about that a little bit, what that means. But I tell you what, we're blessed with the government we have. Just coming back from Nicaragua a few weeks ago, seeing the government down there and, and some of the freedoms they lack and the, some of the freedoms we have, you guys, we are incredibly blessed to live in the United States of America. Okay? Some of you travel around the, the world and you've seen other governments in action or lack of action, and we've got a lot to praise God for here in the United States of America. No ifs, ands, or buts there, in my opinion. Peter was writing to a group of people that were under an emperor. Okay? The Roman government in name was a republic, but uh, the true power was the Caesars, the emperors. Okay? And he's writing at a time, uh, you, you'd, you'd think maybe he's writing about, man, uh, honor the emperor, obey the emperor, subject yourself to the emperor if he's a good man, if he's a godly man. If he's a righteous man who has righteous laws in mind, but no, he's writing during a time where the emperor Nero is in control of the Roman Empire. A very sexually immoral man, a wicked man, a man who lived for himself and his pleasures, a murderer, a liar, a deceiver. You go down the list and it doesn't get any better. Peter's writing at a time when it's not even at his height of his wickedness or his evil. Uh, a few years past this time, when we think the book was written, Nero became famous for how he tortured Christians, how he destroyed Christians' lives. He would set them af aflame in his gardens as torches because he hated them so badly, and he used them as scapegoats for different things, including part of the burning in Rome, etc., etc. He's writing, and he's telling the Christians then, who uh, Peter knew, he lived in Rome. He knew uh, the, the foibles, the, the follies, the brokenness of the emperor, and he called the people, the churches that he's writing to, to honor that emperor. Where does that leave us? Okay, he's calling, he's calling the people back then to obey that wicked man and, uh, and to submit themselves to his authority because it is a God-given authority. Now, we remember, if you remember when Jesus was arrested and he was on trial and Pilate was over and was interviewing him and, and Jesus said, you know, uh, Pilate said, basically, I have the power to let you go. I have the power to judge you. And, and Jesus says, you have no power except what was given from above. If you didn't receive an authority from God, you would have no power over me. Okay? We recognize in those kind of statements that God is in control of this world. God is the supreme ruler. God is the sovereign. He is over all things. And by his wisdom, by his, his determination, by his decrees, he has given governments the right to rule, the, the responsibility to rule over citizenry. And we see in this text uh, one, one reason. Uh, verse 14, as governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Uh, if you read Romans 13, if you're taking notes, you can write down Romans 13, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Governments have a great power to restrain evil. They're given a great responsibility to restrain evil and to make a way for peace and order in our world. Uh, we all are familiar with our, our own sin natures, our own wickedness. Okay, uh, in, a, in a culture, in a family, in a society, that's restrained. In the absence of a government, sin runs wild. 
If there was no governments, if there was no governments in place to curb sin, to tell us, for instance, just a simple way, traffic laws. I'd want to be on this side of the road. You'd want to be on that side of the road. Okay? I'd want to go 80. You'd want to go 85 or 25. Right? Uh, without government bringing order and structure to our society, it would be a mess. And God knew that. God gave government as a gift to a broken, fallen people so that we could find peace and order. In fact, you look at the, the book of Acts. As the gospel spreads through the world, it goes through the Roman, Roman world that has roads, that has laws, that has uh, principles in place so the gospel can spread readily and easily through the empire. God's bigger purpose in giving us governments to bring order and peace is that He can fulfill His redemptive plan in the world by bringing the gospel throughout the world. Okay, so there's, there's a lot there, but, but we, we sit here and, God, do you know our government? Do you know uh, some of our laws? I mean, it, it's tough. Like, it says submit. It says obey. And, and we as Christians, we need to do that. Why do we need to do that? Well, there's, there's three quick uh, reasons here in the text. In verse 13, it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, including uh, the emperor or governors. <clears throat> for the Lord's sake. We are worshipers of God. We seek to honor God. We seek to glorify God. For His sake, for Jesus' name, we, we obey the government. We don't want to run Jesus' name through the mud. We don't want Jesus to be talked about negatively. We want to be good citizens. We want to honor the government, obey the government, even if we don't agree with the government, for the Lord's sake. So if you're thinking about disobeying the government, run as Christians, we run through the grid of Jesus first. How will this impact people's view of Jesus? How will this impact people's understanding of Jesus? My biggest job as a Christian is to glorify God, not myself. My biggest calling as a Christian is to worship, see God glorified, God lifted up, His gospel go forth, His truth go forth. I obey the government I'm called to obey the government, to submit to the government because of Jesus' sake, for His name, for His honor, for His praise. The second thing, the second reason why we obey the government in this passage, there's other reasons, but in this passage there's just three. For, verse 15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Peter equates doing good with obeying the government. By, by keeping uh, the government's laws, you are doing good. And by doing good, you are communicating things to the people around you. You're communicating things to the government. You're communicating things to the people that you uh, are working with, communicating people that, that you live in the village with or whatever. You're telling them that you, you are not the kind of people they thought you were. In the Roman Empire, when, when, uh, when Christianity first started spreading, uh, at first they thought it was just a Jewish sect. But as it outgrew, Jude, uh, outgrew Judaism and more and more of the adherents were Gentiles, it became apparent that it wasn't a, a, the Jewish faith anymore. It was something bigger than that and broader than that. But there's all kinds, as, as, as Christianity spread, there's all kinds of rumors, all kinds of hatreds, all kinds of misunderstandings about what they believe and what they taught. Like they, uh, do they practice, you know, the Lord's, Lord's Supper, they, they, do they drink blood? You know, the, the, you know, brotherly love, is, they practice incense, uh, you know, all, all kind of incest, all kinds of wicked and evil things, rumors going forth. And the government really questioned whether Christians were a good thing to have in their society. And so P Peter says, man, put the, put the rest of those ignorant, ignorant 
foolish rumors. Put to rest those ignorant thoughts on behalf of the government officials, on behalf of the neighbors. Live good lives in their presence so they see, they see that you serve a good God. Live good lives in their presence so they know that you are for them and not against them, so to speak. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But man, the, the people as they talk about Christians, they're such and such, and, but then they would see your deeds, they'd see your good deeds, and they'd say, oh, I, now I understand how they live. They're good neighbors. They're people you want around. They're people that are trustworthy, they're reliable, they keep their promises, they keep their oaths, they keep their contracts. They are godly people. Peter says, man, live such lives in front of people so they'll see your good deeds and maybe, just maybe, they'll give a hearing to your gospel and just maybe they'll come to praise your God as their God. Okay. So it goes on in verse 16, uh, a third reason, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Our third reason for obeying govern government, for submitting to government, we are servants of God. We're not self-serving people. Okay, we're servants of God. The emphasis on freedom there and the emphasis of uh, not covering up for evil is, is this. Uh, some people might say, some Christians might say, I don't have to listen to anybody. I'm free. Jesus set me free. And, and Jesus did set you free and me free. Praise God. But what did he set us free from and what did he set us free to or towards? Okay, in Romans 6, you can read that chapter if you go home. If you're taking notes, write down Romans 6. Maybe Romans 6.22. You can read that passage. God set us free from sin and death. God set us free from slavery to our old ways, to our wicked ways, to our gross ways. He set us free from those sins so that we'd be free to obey God. So we'd be free to obey God's standards of righteousness so we could walk with God. In fact, Romans 6 goes so far to say you've been set free from that slavery to become a slave of God, a bondservant of God. Okay, so we've been set free not so we could self-indulge and, and, and make it all, this life all about us and, and our self-centeredness and our wants. We've been set free from sin and, and enslavement to sin so we can serve God and glorify God with our lives. We could say, well, I'm free. Um, I don't have to obey. And Peter says, man, that's a cover-up for evil. You want to live selfishly. Don't say you're free. If you're free in Christ, you're free to obey. Free to serve God and glorify God by your actions, your behaviors, the way you live. Okay, so three quick reasons, right? For the Lord's sake, to put out foolish rumors. And when you put out foolish rumors, that pulls you away probably from persecution. Because what was happening in, in modern, what we call modern-day Turkey, the places where those churches were, they were getting persecuted. They were getting mocked. They were getting lied about. They, they maybe wouldn't get jobs because rumors were going about about Christians being evil or wrong or bad or whatever. Okay? And the third reason is because we're servants of God. And look what it says in verse 17. Honor everyone. And, and there's different opinions about these four, these four sayings, about how they stack up. It says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the empire, emperor. There, there's some people say the way that, that Peter's structured things here is kind of an A, B, B, A arrangement. A, honor everyone. A, honor the empire. But the center, the core of his teaching there is love the brothers, love the sisters, love the family of God. That's a high priority. Okay, whatever happens in the world, we as a church are to love one another and take care of one another and 
support one another, be there for one another. A brotherly love, okay? A sacrificial love, as, as Dave alluded to, Valentine's Day, love, love, love. But real love is giving your life away for one another. We all want to be part of a church, all part, uh, want to be part of a family that gives its life away, that takes care of one another. Hopefully that's what you're experiencing in this church. If not, we want to change that. We don't want anybody alone or falling through the cracks. But this, this arrangement, love the brotherhood and then fear God, okay? If, if the, you know, that the arrangement is like the core of what he's saying is, God is number one. Fear God, not in a sense of terror of God, but in awe of God, that song, in awe of who He is. He's the Creator, He's the Lord, and He's loved us, and He's called our name. He's written our name in the book of life. Man, that's awesome. He's awesome. Live for Him. Glorify Him. Surrender your life to Him. He is worthy, that, that brotherhood and that fear. So it starts with honor everybody, brotherhood, fear God, and then drops back down to honor the emperor. Okay, the emperor is important, but he's not God. The government is important, but it's not God. God, is, is, God is, is greater than any government. God is greater than any emperor, any president. God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, the emperor, he deserves our honor. Do you believe that? No matter who the president of the United States, Peter again is calling the Christians who are being persecuted because they're Christians in a society that doesn't give them any rights. They're free, but they're not Roman citizens, so they don't have any rights. He's telling them to obey the emperor and to honor the emperor, even though the emperor is a wicked man who does wicked things, who passes wicked laws. We look at this and, and, uh, and, and I, I can only say it, it's, it's so clear we're, we're to obey. We're to obey and, and do what's right in the eyes of the government because, again, the fact that God is the ultimate authority and He's delegated authority to the government. And so by listening to the government, by obeying the government, we worship God, we glorify God, we honor God. So let's, let's run down this path a little bit. This is nice and sweet so far, isn't it? But what if the, God, what if the government is, is living in such a way or behaving in a way or, or passing laws in such a way that are just, just wrong or just, just terrible? Poor, poor in so many ways. Wrong in, in so many ways. I, I want to start with what we shouldn't do. Um, Let's start by this, this, this topic of honoring the, the emperor, honoring everyone. <clears throat> we live in a culture that doesn't believe in honoring people anymore. Right? We live in a cancel culture. We live in, if they don't do what I like, I'm going to rip on them and I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to run them through the mud. I'm going to gossip about them. I'm going to wreck them. We as Christians are called to a higher standard. We're called to honor everybody. Okay? Treat everybody with respect. We know we live in a culture that uh, doesn't treat people with respect. We, as Jesus' servants, we as Jesus' Jesus's representatives in this world, we as Jesus' ambassadors in this world, we are called to honor everybody and respect everybody. In a rural community like, like ours, okay, we, we, that, that's still present to a certain degree, but it's falling away rapidly. We Christians need to take the charge. We need to take the lead of living an honorable life, honoring our Jesus by honoring people. Okay? Uh, and then it comes to this question, do I really have to honor the president? Do I really have to honor that governor? Do I really have to honor so-and-so and such-and-such -and -such who passed that law? 
Yes, we do. And here, here's what we don't do. Okay, here, here's, here's how it's gone wrong the last 12 or 16 years or whatever. And, and it's kind of correlated with the rise of social media, with the rise of, of you know, internet and social media, how uh, the party that, that is out of power, how the party that's out of power feels like they can rip and destroy upon the power, party that's in power. Okay, can slander, can demonize, can write all kinds of evil things about the party that's in power. I, I you know, I, I don't know exactly when Facebook came out or Instagram, you know, these, some of these things, but I remember it started with Bush. You know, President Bush, when he got just ripped, you know, just, just uh, torn apart for certain things that didn't seem fair, that didn't seem the cartoons, the, the different things that went out. And, and again, I don't know when social media exactly started, but, but then Obama came and man, the party that was out of power then, they felt like they could tear it in for all kinds of, and maybe some of the reasons were justified, but the dishonor and the disrespect was not justified. Okay, in the last four years, we've seen the, the, the President Trump just be pummeled, just be run through the mud, just any, any possible reason you can come up with, with, with uh, any derogatory thing you could say about him was said. Okay, and people that were out of power felt like they, they could make all kinds of false accusations, all kinds of slanderous remarks, all kinds of terrible things, <clears throat> evil things, wicked things. And they felt justified because they were on social media. Okay? And what my fear is, now that we have another president, a different president, that we Christians will stoop to that level. That we Christians will live as worldly people. That we will take up memes. We will take up uh, things on social media. You know, Biden is such and such. Biden is so and so. And, and make all kinds of mocking jokes. All kinds of terrible things that... You know, do we realize when we slander against people, we break the ninth commandment? Do we realize when we slander against people, saying things that we think are true, that maybe are true, that we've never checked out, that God looks at that as wicked? We cannot dumb ourselves down. We cannot devalue ourselves. We cannot degrade our Jesus by living in worldly ways. So if you get on Facebook, you get on Instagram, you think you can pass on that meme or pass on a thing that says so-and-so and such-and-such and, such and, and all kinds of you know, caricatures and falsehoods. And God is going to hold you accountable for that. That is sin. And, and, I, and I say that uh, there's a better way. For instance, many of us are very frustrated by the current uh, attack on abortion in our country. Okay, we're very frustrated that our income taxes are going to go to pay for abortions. Okay, we're very frustrated in some of those things. But we don't take the low road, the worldly way, the, 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 the Satan's way, and, and run people through the mud. Because when we run through the pe people through the mud, we are dragging Jesus in the mud with us. Okay, we take the high road. We say why we believe what we believe. We do it respectfully and honorably. Uh, there's, there's so many ways we can do it so much better than what we've seen in social media. What we've seen in, in, in the print media and, and, and the, the television media. You know, slander, 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 gossip, gossip. We, cut, we need to come above that because of who we represent. We represent a holy God and we're called to be a holy people. We don't dumb ourselves down and follow the culture just because the culture's gotten the habit of living by the lowest common denominator. We lift our eyes up to the king and we decide to be a kingly, godly people because we represent Jesus in all we do. 
Okay? So on the local level, if you don't agree with the government, if you don't like the government, what they're doing, the laws they're passing, the, the, the dictates they have. You know, in our local government, because we're part of a constitutional republic, it means that we have a constitution that guides us. It means that we're in a republic that if we don't like the laws, we work to elect new representatives who pass different laws. Okay, and so we have that power. We're blessed in this country. We're not like other countries. We're not like back in, in Peter's day with Rome. We're not like in Nicaragua or different places around the world right now where dictators rule. Uh, we, we are a people that have access to our representatives. And so if we have a problem locally, I guarantee you the, the mayor, you can call him up anytime and he'll talk to you. Okay, I guarantee you, you call your city councilors in the city of Alamosa, you can get a hold of them, you can talk to them. We're blessed to live in a rural area where you can have dialogue with people. You don't have to run them through the mud, you don't have to wreck them, ruin their reputations by on, on social media. Talk to them. Say, I, I'm Jerron Parkins, I, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a citizen of the city of Alamosa, and I'm really frustrated by X, Y, or Z. Can you help me out here? Can we talk about this? we dialogue about it, I guarantee your city councilors will talk to you. Or your, or your county commissioners. Okay, they would love to talk to you. They'd love to, for you to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm frustrated by this, I'm frustrated by that. Please talk to me. They will. We're blessed to live in this, in this country, in, this, in this, 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 this valley, where we can communicate and talk to people directly. That's, that's, our, that's our system. And if we don't like what, where politicians are going, don't like the laws they're passing, we elect new people. And what I'm saying to you, if you don't like the way the government's going, we need to get involved. Christians should be very political people in the positive sense of the term. Christians should be very active in their community. They should be voting. They should be running for office. Some of you should be office holders right now. Okay? We should be very active. We get the government <laughs> that we've chosen to have. Okay? If you haven't voted in a long time, if you haven't done anything political for a long time, don't be surprised that you don't like what you find. You don't like the laws that are being passed or the laws that are being put out there. Okay? We should be the best citizens in this county. We should be the best citizens in this valley because of who we represent and because we care. Right? So I, I want to say that about honoring our government. I also want to say that uh, some of the things we saw over the last year were just terrible in people's behavior. Remember the riots this summer? Remember people were protesting and they started to burn things and loot things and steal things, ruin people's property, just run amok? Brothers and sisters, that should never be us. Running over police officers, uh, uh, whatever the cause is, whatever the whatever the issue is, there's better ways to do it. Especially we as Christians, we don't we don't go down that road of doing evil to bring about some kind of a good. And I have to say the same thing for the January 6th thing at the Capitol, when some of our federal officers and some of our police officers were abused, where they were beaten, where their lives were at stake. That should never be us. We don't take violence into our hands like that. We operate on a higher power. Remember when Jesus told Peter, the very one who wrote this epistle, when he pulled out his sword when Jesus was being unfairly, unjustly arrested, Jesus said, put your sword away. And basically he was saying, we have higher weapons. We have higher power. Okay? We don't reside, we don't reside in those things. So generally, we don't, as Christians, we don't walk down that violent road or that evil road. Again, it's because of who we represent we represent Jesus in all our dealings, okay? We are, we are, as Peter says, sojourners 
aliens, strangers, exiles in his place. We represent Jesus. And let me, let me give you a stance maybe to think about in terms of your activity or your way of living in this world. Christians these days, uh, we, we're not the dominant block of people that we once were. There was kind of a Christendom at one time throughout this society where the state and the churches worked together. Christianity was the dominant religion. Okay, in our country, no more. The rise of secularism and the rise of pluralism, many, many different spiritualities coming up. Okay, Christianity in many ways is getting kicked to the curb in our country. Okay, we're being marginalized in our country. For instance, right now, I don't know if you know it or not, but astrology is exploding among our young people. This last year, as the pandemic has hit and people got lonely, people got uh, feeling like they're out of control, they didn't turn to Christianity. They turn to horoscopes because the marketing on TikTok and the marketing on some of the social media apps are so impressive, impressively intense that the young people are, yeah, I'm going to start doing horoscopes. I'm going to start do, getting astrology. I'm going to pay money. The marketing is incredible. And there's all kinds of these different spiritualities that are popping up. Okay, we're becoming more pluralistic. And, and the reason I tell you that is that we as Christian, the, the, the Orthodox Christianity, not the liberal Christianity that doesn't believe anything, but the Orthodox Christianity that holds up the Word of God, that holds up truth, we are being marginalized. Okay? Uh, you would see it in the media, you see it in our higher institutions oftentimes, uh, you see it uh, in, in different human institutions that we participate, or our kids participate in. Sometimes we are treated like trash. Okay? Sometimes we're not the dominant culture anymore, we're not the dominant people anymore. It's fascinating that Peter is talking to a people that are marginalized. They're on the outside. And he says, they're sojourners. They're passing through. You guys are exiles. You're passing through. And what I'm trying to tell you, even if you're born here in the United States of America, if you're born in this valley, okay, you're just passing through. This isn't your true home. We have a citizenry in heaven that will last forever. We have an inheritance in heaven that Jesus is keeping for us. When he comes back, he's going to bring it with us, with him. Okay, we have a future. We have a hope. We are passing through. How shall we live? Should we make this short time upon the earth all about us? Should we make it all about our pride and all about what we want, what we desire? No. We as Christians, we have a true home. We have, we're going somewhere. We make it about God and His glory and His fame and His honor. Okay? So what's the stance? Currently, I, you know, I don't have time to go into all the different differentiations of things that, that are happening in the Christian world. But one tack that Christians are taking right now is the world's values are not their values. As, as Christians see the world not believing what they believe, some Christians are, are huddling up. They're hiding away. Okay? They're circling the wagons. And they're saying, world, you can go to heck if you want, but we're going to live by God's values. We don't care about you anymore. You know, they're becoming like the Amish in some sense. They're, 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 they're moving away. We're going to have our own culture, our own style, our own people, our own language. And we don't care about the world anymore. And I, I tell you, that's a misguided, misguided way of living. Because Christ has sent us into the world as His ambassadors, as His missionaries. He's called us to change the world, not leave it as it is, or let it go worse. We're called to live in this world and make it a better place, not leave it as a worse place. Okay, so that first strategy, maybe you've been tempted, man, I'm just going to pull my kids in close, I'm just going to avoid the world, I'm just going to get, just live with my friends, and we're just going to, no, 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 to what the world's doing. Okay, the other option that I see that, that's kind of rising up, is some Christians say, we're going to fight, we're going to fight for our rights, 
right? We're going to fight for truth and value and justice. We're going to fight for what's good and holy and, and all this stuff. And we're, we're going to call the world out. We're going to call the world the sinners that they are, the evil that they are. We're going to call it the governor. We're going to call it the president, blah, blah, blah. And there's a part of this that both of these, these models that are true, right? I mean, we are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to speak the truth, right? But we're supposed to do it in love, <laughs> And this idea that we can fight against the culture and call them, call them out and, and, and run their name through the mud, I just don't think that's going to be very effective. And by the way, lost people aren't our enemy. The lost in this world, they're not our enemy. Okay, We were lost once until we were found by the grace of God and our thinking changed and our, and our minds changed and, and we started living by a higher standard. Okay? So the lost aren't our enemies. The, the politicians out there, that, that don't, they're, they're not our enemies. They, they do things that drive us nuts, and they pass laws sometimes that are wicked and are evil. But they're not our enemies. So I, I want to advocate for a third kind of an option, a third way, and I'm just speaking generalities here. You'll have to flesh it out yourself. But there, there's a different, different way of living, a different way of being in the culture, but not being of the culture. One example that often it comes up in these kind of discussions, these kind of stances, ways of living, comes in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. We don't have time to spend a whole lot of time here, but I just want to give you a picture of some exiles in the past. <clears throat> Again, and I'm saying that we're becoming kind of like what Peter Peter's people were experiencing. They were becoming marginalized. They were becoming outsiders in their own culture. How shall we live? And so uh, this passage, Jeremiah is talking about a time when God took the Israelites into exile. He sent them into exile because of their wickedness. And now in Jer Jeremiah 29, he's telling them how to live while they're in exile. Chapter 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have your sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. So live well in the culture. But, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare and you will find your welfare. There's a sense of all, all boats, that, you know, as the tide rises, all boats go up, Right? And there's, there's a sense there, man, if our culture starts to thrive, if our culture starts to get healthier and healthier, uh, we'll, we'll benefit from that. But the big impetus there, you're being sent as slaves into a foreign land. You're being exiled, and what should you do there? Should you rally? Should you fight? Should, should you try to blend in? No, I want you to live in that culture. I want you to be part of that culture. I want you to pray for that culture. I want you to pray for its leaders. I want you to pray for the benefit, the health, the, the prosperity of that culture. I want you to seek their welfare because it's not about you. I want you to seek their blessing. I want you, again, in the context of the Old Testament, Israel was to be the light of the world. They were to be that city on the hill. They were to represent Yahweh before the world. They were to show the world how great God was by how they lived, how they behaved. Same for us. As we become a marginalized people, as may work to the curb, the culture doesn't love us anymore. Culture doesn't put us on a platform anymore. We need to live lives of godliness and holiness 
but we need to live lives that care about the lost. We need to live lives that seek to benefit our local culture, benefit our local communities. We need to be this, have this missionary stance, in other words, this missionary stance that God has sent us into this culture. God has sent us into this culture not to live for ourselves, not to live for our glory, but to seek the benefit of others, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so they come to faith, so they're changed. But we do that. We do that by living holy lives, being in the world, but not of the world. Okay, we live the ways they live to a certain degree, but at some point we say, nope, I can't live in that way. I can't abide that way. I can't be that kind of a person. I'm going to be a holy person. I represent Jesus Christ. And so what I'm telling you, the third option is we should see ourselves as ambassadors of heaven going into the world. We should see ourselves as diplomats representing Jesus in all that we do. We could live for ourselves. We could live selfish lives. We could tell the culture to go to heck. We don't care about you anymore. But Jesus has sent us on a mission of redemption. He wants his gospel to go out into the world because he wants people saved. He wants people transformed. He wants people brought to himself become his worshipers and so there's there's a better way brothers and sisters a way of Jesus in the world but let's let's take that envelope further maybe you're like okay I'm kind of riding with you but man what if the government tells you to do something that's sin what if the government says you tells you to do something that's just evil what do you do then well I've been talking so far uh, I think the clear testimony of scripture is that we should be practicers of civil obedience. We should be a people that obey the government. But there comes a time, brothers and sisters, when we practice civil disobedience. Okay? Again, we, we do it honorably. We do it respectfully. We never use violence. Okay? But we can practice civil disobedience. In fact, we should at some times practice civil disobedience, not do what the government says. Let me give you just a few quick examples. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whose name Shifra and the other Pua, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on, on the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall let, him live, let her live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. At risk of their own life, they said, nope, not going to follow that command. That's an evil command. We're not going to kill the little babies. They stood up for what God thought was right. There's going to be times when we need to stand up and say, even though those laws are passed, we don't think those are righteous laws. We cannot in good conscience, respectfully and honorably, emperor, we cannot follow those laws. Okay? If you're taking notes, you can write down uh, Daniel chapter 3. The whole chapter is great. Uh, especially verses uh, 13 through 18. But uh, just in lieu of time, let me, let me run to Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. <clears throat> now, when they saw the boldness, so, so Peter and John got arrested, basically, by the, the leaders of, of Jerusalem, the, the leaders of Judaism. Uh, they got arrested because they were preaching Jesus. So now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... Uh, Peter wrote our epistle of 1 Peter. They perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished that they, that they had such boldness to preach Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed, there had been a miracle of healing, 
Standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. They didn't want them to preach Jesus anymore. Okay? So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Okay, God had sent them out on mission. God had called them, commanded them to preach. And when the, when the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the Jewish nation said, preach no more, they said, we can't do it. We're going to continue to preach. Okay, there's times where we, we say no to the government. And this is exemplified by verse, chapter 5, verse 29. Kind of similar kind of ideas happening. Uh, chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. There might be time in your, times in your lifetime, times when our government put the screws down in certain ways and they said, you will live this way or X, Y, or Z will happen, where we say, we're going to obey God rather than men. It might happen. Maybe you've already had to do it. I don't know. But God is always the higher authority. Our God is always the higher power. Okay? He, in general, He says, obey the government. I've delegated authority to the government. But if the government gets wicked, the government says sin, we say we will not sin. We represent Jesus. We are missionaries in this culture. And again, just along that line, you know, think about when you've traveled overseas, have you ever heard the term ugly American? You know, like sometimes traveling overseas, uh, Americans, they want certain things a certain way. They're very rude. They're very arrogant. And so some cultures say they're ugly Americans because they want everything that way. Okay? So as diplomats, as ambassadors in this culture, we never become ugly Christians. Okay? We exist here to serve and bless and honor because we take Jesus everywhere we go with us. When people see us, they are seeing the God we represent. In fact, some of them, again, like I said last week, they never open their Bibles. They never see things clearly. They've never read Scripture, but they're reading us. So everything we do represents the Lord Jesus Christ, however we act. Okay? So, so uh, boy, the, the bottom line in this is that uh, if you're going to disobey the government, you better have a good reason. Because you're going to answer to God. Because He's commanded us to submit to the governing authorities. No matter how righteous the president is, no matter how poor the president is, we as Christians are to obey. <clears throat> so that brings me to this, this kind of a, a discussion or talk. Um, maybe some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, uh, Jerron, could you tell us a little bit about living water and what's happening in living water? Because it seems like over the last year, living water hasn't obeyed the government very well. Would you like me to talk about that a little bit? <laughs> let, let me <clears throat> go down this path. Let me explain uh, our stance here at Living Water. With the pandemic coming on, with the, with the government mandates that have come from Governor Polis and from our local health department, we ha as elders have chosen to go a certain direction and a certain tact. And let me explain what our thinking has been. So back in February, this time, right, we started hearing rumblings of a virus coming from China on the West Coast. And then in New York, we started hearing some people are getting sick and stuff. And then it really started to snowball, right? And we got into March and like, whoa, 
March, everything came off the hinges. I, I think in March, school started shutting down, sports events started shutting down, right? Uh, like we couldn't believe some of, the, some of the NBA shut down, different things. It was crazy, right? C couldn't believe, like we'd never seen, and the famous word was unprecedented, right? Unprecedented times, remember that? And, and, but, then, but then come end of March, some, somewhere in there, I can't remember, I don't know if it was a federal mandate or it came from the go our governor of our state, but we were asked to shut down. Businesses, some of you businesses were asked to shut down. Uh, schools were shut down. All kinds of things were shut down. And as a church, we were asked to shut down. And so the elders met and we decided, hey, we, we, we need to take this seriously. Okay, we'll shut down. <clears throat> okay, remember at the time it says, it'll just be a few, few weeks. We just need to flatten the curve. Oh, I hate that term, right? Flatten the curve. And the, the emphasis was to make sure our healthcare providers were taken care of, that the hospitals wouldn't get overwhelmed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that happened. We shut down. And so two weeks turned into four weeks, and then four weeks took, turned into six weeks, and it was a very difficult time. I, I hated that time. I couldn't believe that I was preaching to an empty room just looking at the camera. And some of you are good enough to watch online. Some of you are still good enough to watch online. <laughs> but I remember on Easter Sunday, I, I was so vexed and so frustrated that we couldn't have Easter services that I, I preached for 65 minutes. Just wouldn't stop. I was, and the, you know, poor people that watched all the way through was like, oh, gosh, you know. But uh, we, we went through that and got through that. And, but, you know, about the fourth week, we were shut down. You know, uh, people started showing up. It's really interesting. People started showing up, 10 people, then 20 people, then 30 people, right? And, and who were those people? You remember back in March and April and May how uh, it was the elderly people that were getting sick, right? It was the, it was the older people that were dying. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the older people uh, had the worst symptoms. The, the uh, percentage of them were passing away. A lot of the younger people weren't. Uh, some of us, some people had symptoms and stuff, but it was over quick and no problem. But who were those people that were showing up um, while we were closed? Uh, by the dozens, it was the 70 and the 80-year-olds. And we elders thought that was fascinating. The most at-risk people said that uh, we want to be here. And I remember some, some of the, even some of the people in this room said, Pastor, don't you take my choice away. I'm willing to take the risk to worship God. Don't you take my choice away, Pastor. Uh, um, let us decide. And it was during the time, remember, when, when some of our, our family members started to die in nursing homes all alone? Without family members there, without uh, touch, and how frustrated that was. And some of our older people, some of our single people, um, you want me to stay home by myself for months and months and months. And I remember talking to people that started to dive into a bottle. And I remember talking to people that were suicidal. And I remember talking to people that were getting depressed. And as our elders met, we talked about it and said, you know what, um, if people want to come to church and they want to be here with the family of God and they want to fellowship, we're going to let them. And it was a hard decision because we're breaking the law or breaking a mandate, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if some of that stuff is constitutional or not. Uh, some of it hasn't been run through the courts yet. But uh, anyway, it was, it was a strange feeling because I'm a big advocate of following the rules. I'm a big advocate of, of uh, uh, trusting uh, God and, and obeying the government. But we said, no, if, if someone comes, we're going to let them in.
And, and then, then, you know, the head count started. And, and so uh, the space, square footage in our room, like, you know, like you can have, you had to have six feet all around you, apparently. You know, kind of a deal. And I don't know. So we, did we limit like 32 people to come? And the elders, we prayed about it, we talked about it, and no, we're gonna, we're gonna let people fellowship. If they wanna come, they know the risks. You know, like when you left your, your house today, you took a risk driving, didn't you? And, and people know risk. You can't live in this life without taking risks. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're all terminal. None of us get out alive. Okay, so if you're gonna live, you need to take some risks. Otherwise, you're gonna be in your house the rest of your life. Joy, joy. So we wrestled with that, right? And, 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 and we wrestled with some of that, and man, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say the 33rd person that came through the door, sorry, you need to go home, we're not gonna have you. We decided not to do that, okay? And as, as we continue to walk down that, this path, one of our, one of our, our well, are we obeying? You know, we studied Romans 13. We studied 1 Peter. We studied other passages. And, oh, it's such a hard thing. And we, we had to wrestle with it. And what we, we, we came to is that the live stream, and I've got to tell you all the things that happened. We, st we spent thousands of dollars to improve our online presence. Kenny did a great job. AJ, different people were working on that. Okay, we did a lot of other things too because again, we, we didn't go down this road in arrogance or we didn't go down this road like, we'll show you government <laughs> kind of deal. We went down this, tried to be very humble about it. Like in our sanctuary, we took out about 100 seats. Okay, we stopped passing the, the, the communion trays. We went to this, you know, where you come up and take it because we didn't want touch. We stopped passing the offering trays. I think there's still people from March who haven't made an offering yet because they don't know where the trays are. <laughs> I don't know. The, 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 we put boxes up on the wall or you could do it online or whatever. Give, drop it in the mailbox on the street, whatever. Okay, but we did that. We, we stopped making bulletins. We stopped our greeters ministry and our ushers ministry, right? We, we pulled all those things off the table. We uh, opened the doors so that air could get through. <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we encouraged everybody to wear a mask when they come, et cetera, et cetera. We, we did all these things because we wanted to, in a sense, keep the spirit of the law. We wanted to honor the government. We wanted to respect those in positions of authority who were making decisions, very hard decisions. We didn't do it in an arrogance, with a spite, with a, you know, kind of a deal. We really wanted to be, you know, good citizens as much as we can. You know, we didn't want anybody to get sick. But as we talked about, as we thought about, yeah, the live stream, we could encourage people to stay home and watch from, from the house. And thank you guys for watching at home. If you're in situations, we understand that it's very difficult. But as elders, as we talked about it, we, the, the principle from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, about not forsaking the fellowship, not stopping to meet. We wrestle with that, and there's other churches that disagree with us on this, okay? But our, our elder board, the way we talked about it, the way we wrestled with it, was this idea that we really felt like to, to be in a true fellowship, in true relationships, we needed to be present with one another, okay? That the live stream is great, praise God for it, we're glad we have this technology, but we, we haven't seen some people since March, and we just don't think that's right, and so we, 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 we decided we're going to have some options. We're going to open the doors. We're not going to limit attendance. And, and we've gone down that road with the higher principle being we want to promote biblical fellowship. We want God's people to continue meeting. And, and uh, the whole mass thing, let me address that. You got a few minutes still? 
Um, your kids are fine over there. They're having fun. Let those professionals over there take care of them for a little while longer. The mass thing. Okay, as soon as that came out, right, uh, it, they started seeing things overseas about Asians wearing masks in different places, and oh, we should try that there. And I don't know if it was about the science, but it's, you know, it was thrown out there by the politicians. And immediately, it had to take place in a presidential uh, election year, right, with a very contentious environment. Okay, my, my, my emailing, my discussions uh, with, with, uh, with our local health department, uh, we, we had some of those things like, man, it's just, why did it happen, have, have to happen this year? You know, when everyone is, and, and frankly, mass became very politicized very quickly. I mean, incredibly quickly. Some people are saying, I'm going to wear a mask to stick it to Trump. Right? I'm going to wear a mask just to show that he's wrong. And other people say, I'm never going to wear a mask because those Democrats tell me to wear a mask. And, and I don't care about what really happens with the sickness. But I, 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 I'm not, you know, it just became this thing where some people on one side said, if you weren't so afraid, you... You come to church and you, 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 you wouldn't wear a mask. And other people said, if you love people, if you love people, if you cared about people, you'd wear a mask. Okay, and what I saw in that was Satan. I saw brothers and sisters who over the years who have loved one another and served one another and taken care of one another, they're at each other's throats. And we as an elder board had to make a decision. And our decision was that we weren't going to mandate masks. Because, frankly, it would have destroyed our church. It would have blown up our church. It would have split our church. And, I, and, and frankly, I mean, it, it was just such a hard thing. We decided to give people options. Let's start a Saturday evening service that's a mask-only service. Still be present, still come, but maybe not in this environment. Okay, so it was very difficult and very challenging, but we chose the higher in our minds, the higher ideal of fellowship and the unity of the church and letting people make their own decisions about how much risk they were going to take on. Let them live in freedom and in choice. Have we made the right decision? Time will tell. Wisdom is proved right by her children, as the saying goes. Have we uh, maybe put ourselves in a position to uh, maybe someone will die? It's possible. The virus is real. Even this week, uh, the Sargent Community Church, remember that, you know that little church that's right out there by the Sargent School? Pastor Andy died this week of COVID. After a four or five week battle, um, he finally succumbed to it. The congregation out there is grieving. The, the community is grieving. The, the family is grieving. It's real. By, by opening the door to not enforcing masks, there's a possibility that uh, things could happen. By God's grace, it hasn't happened yet. And so, um, but I, I, on the other hand, I, I hope by our stance we've saved lives because again, the depression, the suicide rate, the, the, uh, the loneliness, the isolation. I'm very proud of our church for opening the doors and having fellowship. I mean, people as they lost their minds, as their world was spinning out of control, there was one constant. There's one solid thing that they could come to, and maybe that was enough that they wouldn't take their life. But they wouldn't drown in the bottle. So I'm hopeful that maybe we've saved lives by being open. But God is the judge. And I, I don't know, when I stand before Him, I don't know if He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or He's going to say, man, you built, you built on the foundation of Jesus with wood, hay, and straw. It's all burnt. 
you made a mistake. We as elders, we understood that we had to make a leadership decision and, and uh, it's too early to tell whether it was the right decision or not. But we are willing to take the consequences. We made some decisions and here we are. Does that all make sense? That's where we've been, that's where we are. And by God's grace, we'll be moving forward and we'll get out of this, this pandemic and we'll uh, leave. Um, I don't know where you stand in the, in the vaccines and stuff. Elizabeth and I are gonna get our vaccines. I touch a lot of people, I'm in a lot of people's lives, so it's a choice I'm making and Elizabeth is making, and we're gonna move forward in that. <clears throat> the big picture of the sermon today is if you disobey the government as a Christian, you better have a very good reason. Most of the time we will obey the government, we will submit to the government because it glorifies our God. We are servants of God. It's for the Lord's sake that we do this. And so we choose to live a distinctive, holy life, especially the distinctive of love. We live as a missionary in a culture that doesn't see us as very important anymore. We are a distinctive, holy people, ambassadors for Jesus, because at the end of the day, whatever happens, we want Him to get worshipped and Him to get praised and Him to be the God of gods of everyone's life. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence? I think I've talked enough. <clears throat> Lord God Almighty, bless this people. Bless our church. Lord, send us out in the world uh, and may the world see light in our behaviors, see salt in our words, hear salt in our words. And, and may we live as we live differently, not ungodly, not wickedly, not in evil ways, not in worldly ways. May they see a different way of living and may, Holy Spirit, you pique their conscience and may you convict them and may they ask us about what we believe and why we believe it. And may you be glorified as we share the gospel. But Lord, here we are. Send us, protect us, we ask. Use us, we ask, for your fame and glory and honor. Bless our country. Bless the United States of America, Lord. May there be better days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.